The following is a special presentation of high school sports. It's the High School Coaches Show. Here's your host, Justin Kenny. Welcome in, everyone, to the ESPN High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet. Week two edition of the show. Thanks for joining us. Back by popular demand after an exciting week one. We're going to review week two, look ahead to week three. Lot to talk about. And uh, as we go into Tin Caps Baseball. Final week of the season, D.C.? Is that what it is? Ending on Monday, I believe? That is correct. That Monday is correct. Game. So Late starting game. next week, we will go all the way to 7 o'clock. So you're stuck with us even longer starting next I'm week. I'm ready, man. When high school football season starts, right? I'm locked in. This is what was great about last week. We had week one of the high school football season, and then Saturday we had actual football. And I'm not talking preseason football. We're talking Miami and Florida. It was a great game on Saturday night, and in the process of watching that game, it pops up on the screen that Andrew Luck was retiring, and it was crazy. I'm sure you've mentioned that once or twice on the Sports Rush this week, DC. Definitely, most definitely, a few times. So, a big storylines with Andrew Luck, but plenty to talk about in week one of the high school football season. What can we take out of it? What can we gloss over? We're going to start off here in just a couple seconds. Dan Vance, outside the huddle.net, will join us. To break everything down from week one, look ahead to Friday night's week two. One of the more impressive wins of week one was the Leo Lions, 36 to nothing victory over Woodland. Coach Jared Souter of the Leo Lions will join us a little after 6.15, and then we'll wrap up the show about 6.30, 6.35 with Coach Doug Dine and Carroll Chargers. And I was at that game at Carroll last Friday, and as dominant of a performance as we've seen out of Carroll probably since... That Snyder win last week or last year in week two. Carroll tries to make it 2-0 and this week. They go to Spooler Stadium. They take on Snyder Panthers. We'll see just how good the Carroll Chargers are. We'll talk to Coach Dynan about that about the bottom of the hour. But we're going to kick it off. He complained because he wasn't on the show yesterday or last week. I guess we had to bring him on this week. He's Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us right now. Dan, what's up? <laughs> Not much. I wasn't really more complaining. I just was curious. You're curious. Curious okay. about your choices. Well, are you criticizing the coaches we had on? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just criticizing you and D.C. a little bit. Well, D.C. just walked out of the room. Like, he just left. So <laughs> I don't know if he quit or I stink or something. It could be a combination of things. Or he doesn't like me. One of the two. Yeah, but he's he's not here. So <laughs> until he comes back, I guess it's just you and me. I can't go to break till D.C. comes back. But, uh, I mean... Well, let's look back at week one, and there was so much anticipation on certain games, certain programs, certain players, and then when we're finally able to play some football, we're so eager to make snap judgments on teams and players and programs and conferences, but in terms of what you saw and what we learned or maybe what you learned last Friday, anything stand out? Well, I think the thing that stands out most to me is when a team lives up to that preseason hype and expectation because a lot of teams get it. Uh, we see it all the time. There's hype laid on a lot of people. Uh, the DeKalb Barons had a lot of hype, and, man, they raised the bar Friday night. I was out there uh, in Waterloo when they beat Angola in a 19-game regular season winning streak for the Hornets. Uh, I don't know that I could see anything more impressive through this entire year. That's, I mean, early game of the year candidate. Great back-and-forth game. 
the Baron defense showed up when they needed to. The Baron offense was fantastic. Uh, I was really impressed with the Cowboys. And you spoke to Coach P. Kemp after that game, and he was visibly emotional after that victory. What did he have to say in postgame? Well, I think he was just proud of his group. This senior class is the one. They've had to rebuild. And, and I talked a little bit about it in my piece on OutsideTheHuddle.net uh, on Friday. They had to rebuild so much. You know, they lost a couple players uh, in a car accident just a few handful of years ago. Uh, the stuff they had to go through with the referendum and not getting turf and upgrade to their facilities just this last May. Uh, it's a lot of emotion. A lot of stuff their program has been through. But what a night. You know, the it was standing room only. The crowd support and the support for the DeKalb uh, community was so huge. Literally, there were probably... 50 to 60 people standing behind the end zone. Uh, there was no room in the bleachers on either side. It was packed. He was just really emotional about the experience and the group of seniors that he has and what they've meant to the program and building it and, and guys that have stuck around and stuck out the hard times uh, and, and bought into what he was trying to build. And he talked a lot about those kind of systems and Gola being one of them, that you have a system and you got to just kind of put your trust in it and eventually it's going to get you where you want to. Uh, and DeKalb, regardless of what the rest of the year has in store for them, they proved it, that his system works, and it was just a, a kudos to those guys who stuck it out and worked within his system. One of the guys that shined for DeKalb last Friday was Evan Eschbach, the transfer quarterback from Wawasee. A lot of people were talking about what is Evan Eschbach really going to give this team? He was he, he played for a one-win program a year ago, but adding him to that offense with the Barons, what does that do offensively for that team? Well, it opens everything up because they are strong on the ground, and we saw that Landon Miller had a great night. Tanner Jack is a very capable back. Uh, Corey Price, who is the second quarterback, uh, had to adjust some things this week because of some injuries. He ran the ball well, but Evan Eschbach has got a cannon, and he just throws the ball uh, hard. He throws it long. It's He puts it in a spot that is perfect where it's something that a receiver can catch but a defender can't get to. He, he Where he places the ball is amazing. I was really impressed with Evan Eschbach. First time I've seen him in person uh, on Friday night. But I think going along with that is, as Pete Kemp talks about these senior leaders, when they talked after the game and the coaches all had their chance to talk to the team, the first player to speak up and say something positive and as a leader was Evan Eschbach. And he's the new kid, but yet he's able to step in as a senior and as a leader on and off the field. And I think that he really shined. Dan, taking a macro look at the NE8 in particular, it was just great game after great game. You mentioned DeKalb Angola. We had East Noble over Plymouth 34-31. to We had Riley downing New Haven in overtime by a single point. We had Columbia City going into a different time zone to play Hammond Gavitt and gets a four-point win. Across the NE8, the, uh, the first two weeks, of course, are non-conference weeks for the NE8. Just a lot of exciting football. I mean, forget who's good, who's bad. It was just an exciting night of football. And then you look at this week's schedule, Angola and Leo. Central Noble, Columbia City, DeKalb and Garrett, Mishawaka, East Noble. It could be another exciting uh, week of football for the NE8. Yeah, I think it's a great week for the NE8. Uh, you look at Norwell getting a big win. I mean, Jay County's not a great program, but it's a big school, and so that's a big win for a Norwell team uh, blanking Jay County that has Norwell struggled in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think it was a great week. I think we learned a lot about New Haven. South and Riley's a tough team, and for them to take them to overtime, 
shows the New Haven's going to be tough. And we didn't know what to expect with Leo, but I thought Woodland uh, would be a team that could compete in the ACAC, right up there with Adams Central and South Adams. Um, I don't know if we learn more about Leo or Woodland or both week one, but definitely an impressive win. And, and Peyton Ball, I think he had like 13 carries, but ran for 251 yards. It, just impressive stuff across the board. And, of course, East Noble, you, you have to mention it because they got that big win. They fought back on the road. Uh, that game ran late uh, at Plymouth. And Bailey Parker, I, I think we've all talked about what he can do, but to go out and see you know, 360 yards of offense, five touchdowns, nine tackles, he forced a fumble, uh, the kid just does everything, and that's a huge win. Plymouth is a very good team, too. So we saw a lot of great things out of Northeast State uh, win and lose. Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. Dan, let's talk SAC, and there were no close games, a uh, complete opposite of what the NE8 was. But when you look at the five blowouts we had in Week 1, which one to you stood out as the most impressive? To me, it's got to be Carroll, and I think that's because we looked at Carroll and Lures as being kind of even um, we, we talked about how the pack in the SAC behind the top three, behind what we perceive as the top three in the preseason, Homestead, Snyder, and Bishop Dwinger. Four through nine being pretty close, um, I think maybe that gap is a little bit different than what we expected, uh, and Carroll's on the upper end of that. I really thought that they would play Lures close. I thought those were two teams that were going to be pretty similar. Um, both lost a lot, but have some skill positions back. I was really impressed what Carroll was able to do uh, in that game, and we, we kind of got a little taste of what Jeffrey Becker can do, and that maybe he's a little bit more like his brothers, uh, being able to do a lot of things. So that game really stood out to me. The other scores don't surprise me. I thought Homestead uh, would have a little more problem with Northrop, uh, maybe not lose the game problem, but I thought Northrop would be able to offer up more, and obviously they have to go back to the drawing board, but really impressed with what Carroll did. Looking ahead to week two in the SAC, Dan, you know, Carol and Snyder, probably the centerpiece on the schedule out at Spooler at 7 o'clock. But another intriguing game for me is Wayne at Bishop Lures, two teams that just got, got absolutely torched in week one and want to prove that they're not as bad as they looked last Friday night. Yeah, I agree. Wayne's another one of those teams that's right there that we look at and probably thought was four, five, six, and now we see maybe there's a bigger gap initially than we thought with them as well. Uh, that'll be a really fun one and a good chance for Lures to kind of work out the kinks, uh, maybe work out their quarterback situation a little bit more. Christian Fly is still the same guy. He struggled a lot against Carroll. Uh, and, and Wayne for a chance, you know, to really get going and, and Aiden Meek, who's a really strong quarterback, sophomore for Wayne. Uh, to get a chance against a defensive line uh, that is not so big, he's going to have a little more time, I think, against Bishop Lewers. Uh, it, that'll be an interesting one for both of those teams. You got Dwinger playing their first game on their home turf, which I think is, is notable in a lot of ways, even if the game won't be. And like you said, yeah, Carol Snyder will be a lot of fun. Um, Carol's clearly better than we thought they were in the preseason. Snyder uh, is, is very, very good, but you throw in the fact that Carroll beat them last year. Uh, shouldn't have beat them last year, but they did. And these Snyder guys got to be ready to defend against that upset because that upset, you look at it last year, you take that upset away, Snyder's the SAC champions. Uh, and outright, now you don't want to lose this quick game to Carroll again looking past them. So I think there's a lot of interest and uh, a little bit of a rivalry there with Carroll and Snyder. 
Dan, looking at the ACAC, we expected South Adams to be the class. They look like it. We expected Adams Central to drop down a little bit, and they sure as heck don't look like they're going to do that. A 40 nothing win over Belmont in week one. Is Can the Flying Jets challenge South Adams in this conference, or should we step back a little bit and say, week one, let's play a couple more weeks of football before we really uh, figure out the hierarchy in the ACAC? I think we got to take a look at a couple more weeks because I think that there were surprises, like you said. Uh, I don't think South Adams was surprised dominating Winchester. A question for them is what they look like when James Arnold comes back in week two. He was cleared to play in week one but didn't uh, because that's what they were going to do to Winchester and everybody knew it. Um, so what happens when you throw him back in there? He's a better quarterback than Aiden Wilder is, and uh, Aiden had a very good game. So that'll be interesting. Adam Central is clearly better than we expected them to be. They lost just so much. When you look at some of the guys, the skill position guys, the guys that played both ways for them, uh, you know, career guys for their program that they lost, and, and a big one over a Belmont team that's not great. But when you win like they do and 40 to nothing or whatever the final was there, it, it's really impressive. I think that's a, a matchup I'm really into, and, We'll get to see here in a few weeks, and I want to see more from Woodland. I want to. I kind of am really curious about what happened uh, there. I kind of wish I was at that game as much as it was a blowout against Leo because this is a Woodland team that should be very good, replacing a lot on the line, but tons of skill position guys back. Um, I wouldn't count Woodland out in the ACAC just yet. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to respond as well. Yeah, Ben Reedy's strangely silent on social media. I'm not used to it. I'm used to Ben being all over the place. Yeah, you know, it's just it, it, all around. This was a bad week. The, the yardage wasn't there. Um, we didn't see any numbers from David Bischoff. I'm not exactly sure what happened there and why he didn't put up numbers if he did not play. Um, and reasoning behind it, that's a big question, too. He was going to be a big part of that offense. Uh, but I think it's a Woodland team that can still score points, uh, can still stop points. Uh, again, was it just a week one issue or, or is it something bigger? And I think that's something that's going to be interesting with Woodland here the next couple of weeks before they get into conference season. Dan, before we let you go outside the huddle.net, give it a plug. Tell us what is going on at the site this week. Well, we got our uh, power poll came up today. Are we two power poll? We run that every Tuesday. Just yesterday, we had a great column from uh, Kevin Murs, former Bishop Dwinger quarterback, former Northside offensive coordinator. He has a coach's corner every Monday with a unique insight, and, and we really like the work that Kevin's doing. People like to read what Kevin's doing. Uh, and a really unique take on things. Columns from Blitz, you know, he'll jump in definitely every Wednesday. Uh, from time to time, other than that, we have a column from Monday from Blitz about uh, how boring the SAC. They have our breakdown picks for games all week long, uh, and we'll break down our game of the week, which will be Snyder and Carroll this week. Uh, feature stories every Friday and, you know, rolling through the weekend. We have new content six days a week. Uh, through prep football season. So uh, we're really excited about the kickoff of the season and how things have gone so far. No better place around to follow area high school football and basketball outside the huddle.net. Dan, appreciate it. If uh, we can't get a hold of anybody else next week, we may give you a call at 6 o'clock next Tuesday. Hey, I appreciate it. I'll be around. All right, brother. All right, thanks, man. That was Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net joining us here on the ESPN High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet. You can off the show. A DC returned. I thought you 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 left. I thought you know, pissed you off somehow, or you quit, or didn't like that I had Dan on. I don't know what was going on, but uh, you are back. I'm back. I did I did not quit or retire. 
Okay. <laughs> that, that's a debate words. for another show. Those are, that's sensitive words around here. It is. Yeah, Quit or retire. You guys debated that ad nauseum. I heard that earlier today on the Sports Rush. But two guys that are not ready to hang it up, whether it's quit or retire, Jared Souter of Leo, Doug Dynan of Carroll, they'll join us later on here in the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Cronback Chevrolet. He's D.C. Hendricks. I'm Justin Kenny. You are listening to ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. You're listening to the High School Coaches Show with Justin Kenny on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the ESPN High School Coaches Show here on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM, where one of us is eating delicious-looking tacos and the other one is hosting a show. So that's where you went. Get some food. Rub it in. Eat it in front of me. They're pretty delicious. They do, though. Where are they from? They look very tasty. I actually don't know. <laughs> Whatever. They look pretty good. Yeah, big thing of queso there. Oh, man. Moving on. Moving on. I'll get home eventually. Eat some food. Uh, thanks to Dan Vance before the break. Outside the huddle.net joining us. Talk week one. One of the teams we spoke about that was impressive in the opening week of the season with the Leo Lions with a 36 to nothing victory over Woodland to open the 2019 season. Head coach of the Leo Lions is Jared Souter. He joins us right now. Coach, how are you? Good. Good, real good. How are you doing? Well, I'd be a lot better if D.C. would share his tacos, but I don't think that's an <laughs> option right now here. Um, but, Coach, uh, I'm I'm very impressed with what happened last Friday. Um, not that you won, maybe the, the, the amount of, of points that you won by, 36 to nothing, but take us back to last Friday and how you guys were able to handle biz in Woodburn. Yeah, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, our kids are ready to play, and I thought we executed very well, um, really, in, in all three phases of the game. Um, obviously, it wasn't perfect, and, and we found a lot of things we can improve on, but uh, for week one, um, you know, we thought our offensive line just did a great job, obviously, with, you know, Peyton uh, Wall gaining 251 yards, and, and you know, he's, a, he's an exceptional back, but uh, those guys up front uh, really, really did a nice job for us, and uh, then defensively, um, our assignments were strong. We tackled well. We ran to the ball really well. Um, and so I just think overall execution was really good for us. You mentioned Peyton Wall, 250 yards, four touchdowns on just 13 carries. Uh, what Was it just massive holes he was able to run through? Was it running away from guys? Was it a combination of everything? What was his night like? You know, I think it was a combination, really. I mean, you know, Peyton's a great athlete. Um, you know, he, he, we created some holes for him, but then, you know, he'd make people miss as well and then, uh, hit the Jets and, and was able to outrun people. So, um, you know, it was just kind of a combination of both O line play and, and, you know, even receivers, receivers blocking on the edge and just really good execution by our offense. Coach, you graduated A.J. Restivo. He seemed like he was around for about eight years with Leo. Um, and then you had to replace him, and you had a bit of a quarterback battle. But what made you decide on who you went with, and how did you feel that that position played in week one? Yeah, well, we went with both of them um, in, in week one. We just rotated series and uh, let both quarterbacks play, and that's kind of where we're at even this week. Um, we think both of them do a, a really nice job for us, and um, you know, we're just going to continue to rotate series, and they both have uh, certain strengths. You know, Cam Roach is a pretty good drop back passer, and uh, Jackson Barber is uh, a, a really good athlete who could run the ball as well. So, um, you know, we're going to we're going to use both of their talents as as long as we can, and you know, hopefully they both uh, continue to compete with one another and 
uh, keep helping the football team. So we're kind of like where we're at, and they both uh, support one another and encourage one another out there. So it's, it's really a good thing for us right now. And we saw Homestead do that a year ago with Jake Archbald and Luke Goody. Worked out pretty good for them. Other coaches are adamant they'll never go with two two quarterbacks. But uh, with you, what's your philosophy? Did you always consider going with two, or was it something where it's like I can't keep either of these guys off the field? Well, I think I, for us, it's, it's always been if, if it helps your team, let's let's continue to do it, and um, that's exactly what we feel right now. Uh, you know, both guys are, are showing leadership, and both guys have, like I said, talents and strengths that they they bring to our team. And um, you know, it's, there's not a negative thing really a, about it for us. And so, if we believe it helps the team and you know helps us win ball games, we're going to continue to do that. And I don't I don't think there's a philosophy there that we say we got to have one. Um, you know, several years ago we did the same thing. I think back in uh, 2009, 2010. Um, we played two quarterbacks as well. So, uh, no, I don't think it's a, you know, a hard set philosophy that, you know, we have to play one quarterback. We're going to do what we need to in order to help our team win. And right now it's playing both guys. Coach, sometimes one of the most uncertain positions is that offensive line, and it seemed like they shined for you last Friday. Did, did they exceed your expectations, or did you feel uh, they were ready for a performance like that? Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, we were, we were a little worried about that coming in. We have some young kids who, um, you know, who are playing up there, but, Throughout the the summer and then the first two weeks of, of camp, uh, we really liked what we saw with them, and so we weren't we weren't terribly shocked that they played well. But we do have some young kids who are very good linemen, um, and, and in particular, uh, junior Ethan Stewart, um, who played um, a little bit uh, last year at the end of the year, but came back this year much stronger, um, really good lineman. And then we have a sophomore, uh, a big six uh, six four, two hundred fifty pound sophomore, and Landon Livingston. We just had an outstanding game Friday. So those two young guys stepping in with the likes of Seamus Tom Bush and uh, Lucas Witte and, and Dylan May, uh, they've gelled well as a unit, and they just really played played well Friday night. Coach Jared Souter, Leo Lyons, joining us here in the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumback Chevrolet. Coach, you played a team that likes to spread the field. They like to turn the edge. They like to get to the outside and make plays. I, I feel that the most important unit on a defense at the high school level is that middle middle unit and the linebackers. And guys like G.T. Baker, Michael O'Brien, and Gavin James, I expect they really had to really guard that edge and really seal it off and penetrate and make some plays and to shut out a team like Woodland, I feel like those guys had to shine for you on Friday. Yeah, you're exactly right. Gavin James just had an outstanding game. Um, that outside linebacker, he had uh, four tackles for a loss. I think he ended up with um, maybe six total, but he was kind of all over the place. Just an outstanding job. And then uh, Michael O'Brien led the, led the team that night with eight tackles. So those guys just really did an outstanding job with their assignments and, and, and running the ball and making great tackles. So, uh, you know, they, you're exactly right. Those, those guys played very well. No rest, Coach. You get to open the season or the home season this Friday with Angola, who's I'm sure going to be fired up to try to get a victory after losing at Waterloo last week. What have you seen out of Coach Andy Thomas's team? Well, um, you, know, you know, Coach Thomas does a great job. Angola's been you know, one of the best programs in Northeast Indiana the past, you know, two or three seasons. And, um, you know, they're a very good football team this year. And as, as you were talking about, Woodland getting the edge and running on the perimeter, they do, they do the same thing. Uh, you know, they've got a, they've got a great receiver slash running back and, uh, this Antonio Lubanos who, who is just a great talent for them. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to, to, to be on our, our A game. Uh, on Friday to get a win, um, and especially defensively, we've got to 
uh, shut number one down for them because he's a great, great football player. Coach, what are the keys? What are the keys on on Friday? Is it sealing that edge? Is it preventing the big plays? Yeah, uh, defensively, it really is a sign of football because you know they'll put pressure on the perimeter on you with a, with a lot of jet sweeps and a, you know, a lot of perimeter plays. But they also run a, a, a great option offense where if you see, you know if you mess up and on the perimeter, they'll come back and run the quarterback at you. Um, and, and that's what they did last year. They did a, they did a great job with that. So we just really have to play a sign of football. Defensively, we have to know what our job is, and um, everybody's got to be on the same page in terms of their assignments. Um, and then we've got to run because they have some speed on on offense. So we really have to run the ball, tackle well because they got great players there. Um, offensively, we've got to play physical. They've got some guys up front for them, and, and the likes of Kyle Trick, who um, you know, a big, solid defensive lineman, uh, some good inside backers. So we're going to have to play physically up front, have a better game than we did last week with their offensive line to, to open some space for Payne to make plays. Coach, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time for us, and good luck facing the Hornets on Friday. All right, thanks, Justin. That's Coach Jared Souter, Leo Lyons, joining us. Fresh off a 36 to nothing victory over the Woodland Warriors last Friday. Maybe one of the more eye-opening scores of Week 1. Not that Leo uh, was expected to lose that game, but it was a 6 to nothing Leo win over Woodland last year in Week 1. This year was a 36 to nothing route. And a Woodland team that last year we felt, man, they're, they're decent up front, but kind of rebuilding in the position, skill positions this year. It's almost flip-flop. They lost a lot of those guys up front, but you felt, man, they had some athletes on the edge that could really challenge Leo. But the Lions were up for the challenge and were so fall into East Noble being that favorite every year in the Northeast State, at least recently. Could Leo be a team that can challenge the Knights? We'll see. They got a challenging schedule going ahead. They got Angola this week. They go to Norwell next week. And then back-to-back New Haven and East Noble. That East Noble game week five on the road in Kendallville, according to how we think they'll go uh, for both of those teams leading up into that game. We're going to take a break, come back. Coach Doug Dine and Carol Chargers will join us fresh off the practice field. This is the ESPN High School Coaches Show, presented by Crumbag Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Now back to the High School Coaches Show with Justin Kenny on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to a week two edition of the High School Coaches Show presented by Crumbag Chevrolet here on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM, where during the break, DC, we, we had trouble opening a glass bottle of pop, which I don't see very often anymore, and it was it was, was not a twist-off, it was a fancy one, and DC opened it with his teeth. Legit. Impressive. I was worried about your molars there, but you, uh, you got it done. He was thirsty, ladies and gentlemen. He wasn't letting it, uh, let, letting it stop him. He opened it with his teeth. Now he's eating more tacos in front of me. But we digress. Thank you to Coach Jared Souter, Leo Lyons, joining us for the break. Talk about Leo's shutout win last Friday night. Another team that handed out a shutout in week one were the Carroll Chargers. Head coach of the Carroll Chargers is Doug Dynan. Joins us right now. Coach, how are you? I'm good. Hey, you got to wonder with D.C., you know, if that's impressive or if that's uh, questionable in terms of sensibility. So It's true. It's a fine line, you know. 
It is a very fine line. He might have crossed it. Hey, thanks for having us on. <laughs> Absolutely, Coach. And uh, you're fresh off the uh, practice field. How did Tuesday practice out of Carroll go? Just walking in right now. And, uh, and Tuesday is a good week. Tuesday is a physical day. You know, obviously Tuesday and Wednesdays are uh, are big physical days. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of install, understanding of scheme at the beginning of the week. And so it was a good week. A lot of things to like out of your team's performance last Friday night. What are some of the things that really stood out for you in the positive? Uh, I think that our defense flew to the ball really well. They were very physical, created turnovers, even took one turnover back for a touchdown. Um, that's a positive. Um, I was very pleased with our offensive, you know, being able to sustain the ball, maintain possession of the ball. Um, there's probably a couple drives, and we wish we would have ended up with points on the board. But for the most part, we were pretty productive, a lot more productive in the second half than the first. But um, overall play, level play, I'm very pleased with them. I thought offensively your sophomore quarterback came out, seemed to have a little jitters, went three and out that opening drive, but really settled down, threw a good deep ball, really checked down when he needed to, handled the, uh, the position like a, a veteran despite just being a sophomore. Yeah, and that's, that's going to be the case, you know, at the beginning of a game, beginning of a season. You know, young guys are going to be a little nervous, you know, until they're in the fray and, you know, and they get, you know, mixed up in the plays and, and get used to the speed of the game. And, and that's what happened with our young guys, you know, and Jeff's one of those guys. So we were pleased with his performance. Coach, you, you see your team off and on all spring, all summer now with the expanded rules, but when you go into week one, what is one of the things that you said You said to yourself, I don't know how my team is going to be in this, no matter how much you practice, no matter how much you're with your team. What's still uncertain going into that first game of the season? You know, when you're, you're in June and July and you're in a limited contact period, you know, you're not really playing – you know, as physical as what you probably can play, you know, because of regulations, because of the time, you know, some of that time you're without equipment. And so that that's always one of the questionable things is how physical are we going to be up front on both sides of the ball? And, you know, and some of those questions were answered. Some of them are still to be known. I mean, I think offensively we still need to improve and we need to be more physical with our offensive line. But I was pleased with our defensive line and the way that they performed. Yeah, defensively, I think you guys looked very, very good at all three levels. And uh, who are some of the guys that stood out? I thought Larry Seibel had a really good game for you. He was flying to the to the football. Um, Hunter Mertz as well uh, was was very good, the junior. So a lot of guys uh, that were really exceptional for you in week one. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, and, and we talked about, you know, the, uh, the front putting pressure on the quarterback. And giving the back five, you know, the opportunity to go play, make go make plays on the ball, and and that's what ended up happening. We see so many coaches now kind of going with those more stacked defenses, those three three fives, and having more DBs. Uh, what's the philosophy in doing that? I know some programs have said, "Hey, we just don't have the bodies for four pure defensive linemen." But in terms of what you guys do, what's the philosophy there? Well, I think that you know that's that's one of the big points. You know, if if you are you know, kind of short on defensive tackles or defensive linemen. You know, it makes a lot more sense that if you're playing an odd front with only three down guys and you've got more athletic guys that can play at the second level, you know, that's obviously one thing. Um, you know, we've always been a 4-2-5 team, and we, we continue to do that. And the only time that we'll, you know, ever come out of being a 4-2-5 team is obviously if we get into a dime package at all. Um, and we'll pull, you know, either a down lineman or an inside linebacker. 
Um, but, you know, it, it's all based, and I think that that's on both sides of the ball. You know, all the decisions that we make is based upon the personnel that you have. Coach, one of the turnovers you guys were able to force was an interception by Mr. K. Dinan, a junior, who also happens to be your son. Is dad so locked in to being the head coach of the Carroll Chargers that he doesn't notice that K. Dinan just had an interception, or does dad notice those things? No, I notice. I notice without question. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that I do is that I don't coach him um, you know, and I'll celebrate with him just like I'll celebrate with the tight end or a wide receiver or anybody else that makes a play within our program. You know, I won't differentiate that, but he's a DB. I don't coach DBs. I coach tight ends. And so during the day, you know, we have very little communication whatsoever. Coach, you get a challenge coming up on Friday. You go to Spoiler, take on the Snyder Panthers. We all remember what happened in week two last year. The Panthers were able to knock you off in the postseason, but let's talk Snyder. What do you guys have to be ready for? Well, they're going to be very disciplined with the offensive line. They're they're very well coached. You know, Coach Klein, Coach Isaacs do a tremendous job. Um, they're they're going to pull to the second level very well. They're going to down block. They're going to be very physical up front. Um, and and defensively, we've got to be able to handle that. You know, we've got to defeat blocks. We've got a defensive line has got to get off the block and get to the ball. We've got to put pressure on the quarterback. He's an experienced kid that can throw the ball and run the ball. You know, they've got experienced receivers and a good running back at Bennett. And, you know, and all those things together make them a, a tremendously explosive offensive team. And we've got to play at the level that we did last Friday. We've got to fly to the ball. Um, on the defensive side, you know, they got they got guys that can play, you know. Um, you know, they've got one of the best defensive linemen in the conference. And we've got to be able to sustain blocks and, and maintain possession of the football. And, you know, if we do those things, we got a chance. And coach couldn't couldn't ask for a better night of football last Friday. We're going to have another one. It sounds like this Friday. I mean, we're just jumping right into fall weather. Well, if you can keep controlling the weather like that, Justin, then uh, we will make sure that you get an extra slice of pizza. <laughs> I'll take it, brother. All right, coach. I uh, appreciate you taking the time, fresh out of practice. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, so we'll let you go. But uh, thanks for the time. Good luck on Friday. All right. Thanks very much. That's Coach Doug Dynan, Carroll Chargers. His team knocked off Bishop Lures 42 to nothing last Friday. It was a, a very impressive performance out of Carroll and a very discouraging effort out of Bishop Lures. And I think one of the storylines heading into week two is, is Carroll that good or is Bishop Lures that not good in terms of being able to match up with programs like Carroll and Homestead and Snyder, the big boys of the SAC, even throw DeWenger in there. Look, Bishop Lewers is very thin at certain positions, and they had some key injuries before Friday and during Friday's game. So some things, uh, you know, kind of snowballed for them. They were only down 14 to nothing at halftime, uh, but it really got away. 42 to nothing was the final for Carroll. They actually had two touchdowns called back in that game, so it could have been worse. But uh, that's going to do it. We'll find a lot about Carroll Chargers coming up on Friday night. That's exactly where Brett Rump and Shannon Griffith will be coming up on Friday for the ESP. Game of the week. That's going to do it for us. Doug, thank you to Doug Dynan, Jared Souter, and Dan Vance outside the huddle.net joining us. The tacos are gone. I'm not getting anything, folks. But for DC Hendricks, I'm Justin Kenny. We'll be back here next Tuesday, 6 o'clock. You've been listening to the High School Coaches Show presented by Crumback Chevrolet on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.
podcast by Federated Media.